for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome to the show. And, of course, you're listening to 87.6, or 88 right across Australia with the Faith FM Breakfast Show. Lawson, what are you thankful for this morning? What are kebabs. You, what are you, uh, kebabs. Yep. I love them. That's, they, n- that's not Asian. Yeah, yeah, it's Middle Eastern. What happened? Did I you, ate, food, did you, did I ate you, food from all over the world. Did you get converted from Asian to Middle Eastern over the weekend? No. No. But actually, no, no, no. There's actually a story that goes with this. Okay. That's a right. good story. Yes. It's a really good story. So, um, I like kebabs too, by the way. Oh, kebabs are amazing. Yes. I had a really, really good kebab. But the context of me eating this kebab was that I went to church on Saturday, had an amazing time. Uh, you know, uh, we had dinner together and then I got invited to this end of year party, um, for the Japanese club. There's a Japanese club at uni. And I got invited to the end of year party. Now, I did not speak Japanese and I'm not Japanese, um, but I go along because... But that's a kind of special I, privilege. I, I know Japanese people and they were like, yeah, Lawson, come, please. So I rock up and uh, I'm spending time with them and they're like, oh, Lawson, we're going here. And it ended up just being one of those, you know, young uni student late nights where we're at the Anzac Walk in Newcastle at literally midnight eating kebabs. And then a couple of boys jump in my car. There is this thing called the rules of stupid. You do know. Th- that's right. Time. No, no, no. But a couple, and I, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, oh, I don't want this to turn into any kind of worldly party. Like, God, please just work. And I jump in my car and a couple of boys jump in my car and I'm driving them home. They're like, hey, Lawson, we heard you go to church. Can we come? We really want to come yes. at one o'clock in the morning. I was like, amen. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Which means we're about to get into positively different news. Before we do, we have the quiz and we have the draw and we're doing something. What are we doing? Something a little bit different. All right, we're switching it up. Uh, Yeah, we've uh, clicked over to June. It's a brand new, fresh Monday morning. And no, this this is how we're switching it up. We're giving you more chances to be able to win. That's cool. And that is because each question today has a different answer. You know, in the previous weeks, it's like each question leads to, you know, as a clue for the same answer. Each question this week will have a different answer. And so if you are just texting every single question incorrectly, that's the more chance that you get to win. So and wait, more chance for your... So if we, if we do five questions a day, five times five, you could have 25 entries to the quiz by the end of the week. That's pretty epic. Compared to like the the maximum, but everybody else could also have twenty five. Yeah, that's right. So, so everybody everyone, needs to go for twenty five. We've we've basically diluted the economy, and uh, we've we've increased inflation. <laughs> and zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text if you want to enter the draw to win. All right, I have this. This is okay. I have a prize. It's called an Andrew Study Bible. This is a one hundred dollar Bible. This is an incredibly amazing, expensive, fantastic study Bibles. I own a Bible that's very similar to this, not this exact Bible, but it's, you know, leather and it's incredible. Can we even afford to do this on (laughs) Hey, hey, (laughs) lol. Yes, we can. There's no expenses that we're... Okay, so this is why we're offering so many opportunities. That's right. 0491-064669. Oh, I need to tell you guys what the clue is. (laughs) Shem, Ham, and I uh, are Noah's sons. Who am I? So you have Shem, you have Ham, 
They're Noah's sons. Then there's another one. If you know who that is, 0491-064-669. I was really close to saying the answer then. Like, <laughs> it was on the tip of your I tongue. I was like, ah, and then, but I didn't say it. Praise the Lord. You have the opportunity to win uh, the this Andrew's Study Bible. Again, we'll be drawing it at the end of the week. But make sure you're getting those correct answers in. Shem, Ham, and I are Noah's sons. Who am I? All right. I would say start texting right now because that's a massive prize right there. I think it's the and most expensive prize we've given away. By far. Mm. By, by mm. a very, very, very wide margin. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, Lawson, let's have some positively different news. Okay. Um, the European Union, you know, people have all different kinds of things to say about the European Union. Yes. Um, but the European Union has reached the lowest level of greenhouse gas emissions since 1990. Really? They're currently running at a 32% reduction uh, since, oh, sorry, 34% reduction um, since 1990. Uh, the base year, like the 1990 stat given, was 1.94 billion tonnes of CO2 a year, and they're running 34% under that. That's remarkable. I mean, our, the CO2 levels in the atmosphere are now double what they were at the beginning of uh, in- industrialization. Yes. So you've got your pros and your cons right here. This mm-hmm. is a, this is very positive. It's good to see the CO two going back, but at the same time, we need to recognise that there's a massive amount of it out there. Yeah, and they have like they've kind of like doubled down their efforts, um, you know, in try in coming out of the lockdown because it, when lockdown began in 2020, uh, when the pandemic began, they were they were sitting at around 30, uh, sorry, 26 percent. And then the lockdown happened, and a lot, of, lots of efforts to do lots of things got stifled. Um, but then they, they have just, you know, since then have just gone hard and ended up now it's it's running at a thirty four percent reduction. Um, some of the key leaders in this in their strategy, some of the 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 drivers that that has led uh, to these emission reductions have been the growing use of renewables, uh, less carbon intensive fossil fuels, and improvements in energy efficiency. Cool. So they're just like, yep, we just got better at everything. Are, that's right. These are all good things. There is nothing bad here. Yep. So that that is that is good news. I do not want to die from CO2 poisoning when I walk into Europe. Like, so, yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, in other news, okay, I saw the sickest thing. Like, sickest as in, like, not COVID sick, not, like, like... Monkeypox. Monkeypox sick. I'm talking, like, sick. Like, the sickest, most like crazy. coolest, crazy. Like, Actually, my next nuts. two stories are, like, crazy, epic, sick things. Um, and the first one is this, like, company uh, called Gravity Industries have just released a promotional video. Now, I'm not, I'm not their salesperson, but their promotional video um, of a jetpack that they've created for paramedics sees this guy scaling a mountain um, that would usually take a hundred and... Uh, well, not 120, uh, one hour and 20 minutes to get to the top of by foot. Mm-hmm. He scales this mountain in a jetpack in three minutes. Yeah, I want one of these things. Where can somebody get me a jetpack? Um, <laughs> well, 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 all you have to do is become a paramedic. You, that, okay, so that's 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 Because this is the application so, for so it. So does he, does he scale the mountain, pick up the wounded person, and carry them back down, and he's back in six minutes? Um, so... In this video, or does he just stabilize the patient? He just stabilizes the patient. So he yeah. he charges his way up there, and they're currently in developing, working out a system where they can go in tandem. 
Um, because like the more people in the jetpack, the more power and stability the jetpack needs to be able to to carry those people. Yes. Um, but yeah, this this dude just jumps in this jetpack and just takes off up the hill and gets to the top. And it's you know, and like they're doing like a live demonstration of like him with like a patient and stuff. And it is probably the most impressive thing I've ever seen. Uh, I've seen like because I wonder how long before we have jetpack in the back of every ambulance. Oh. So cool. You'll have a whole bunch more people applying to be an Ambo. Oh, yeah, dude, me. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll put my hand up. I'm like, I'm like, okay, time to get my paramedics degree. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, essentially, th- this is this is amazing. So, what's the range on this jetpack? How far? You know, it would be a bummer to get you know up the top of the mountain, and it's like, well, you know, because jetpacks are notoriously heavy on fuel. Yeah. Yeah, they're calling this the thousand horsepower jetpack. Like, okay, so you got a thousand horsepower strapped to your back. Yeah. And you get to the top of the hill in three minutes, but does the fuel last for six? Do you get back down again, or are you just sort of like, uh, well, we stay here until a helicopter comes and picks it up? Again, um, this is information that is privy to the company that, uh, as you know, they have not yet told us. That, that, that's right. And it's probably because, like, this is far from, you know, production. Like we're talking about, you know, R and D and promotion, and this is a video that they released, obviously, to to garner sponsors and people who are interested in their project. Uh, but I think, you know, like, because I'm thinking they're calling it the thousand horsepower jet jet suit. I'm like, do, do you need a thousand horsepower to thousand, fly? Yeah, you kind of do because you're flying without wings. True, flying without wings is incredibly, incredibly uh, horsepower intense. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because everything else flies with wings. Yeah, that's right. And the wings do so much of the work. Yeah. But I, I just have to say, like, oh, just watching him fly that hill, I'm like, this is an experience that I could live through. Uh, th- like, that that just seems so fun. Actually, when I was – um, they have this thing called jetboarding. When I was, like, 15, I was in Malaysia, and basically they attach a – you have, like, a board that you fly around on and attached to your feet, and then it has a tube that runs from your feet – to the back of a jet ski. Yes. And the jet yes. ski sucks in water and then spits the water into the so jet, jet board. The jet ski is not actually going anywhere, but you are. You are. And you tow the jet ski around. Yes. That's like, that's, you know, you have the power to, to do that. But, oh, man, it was like the finest thing. Uh, we had like a line on ours that was, I forget how long, I think it was like 23 meters or something. And so you're kind of flying, flying around at that height, like above the thing, and you feel like, Feel like Iron Man or something. It's like the cool, it's like the coolest <laughs> thing ever. Um, but no, the, you know. So obviously, we've applied this in a very impractical way because you have to be attached to a jet ski. Yeah, that's right. And you've got a very limited range because you're, you know, as soon as you get up, probably more than twenty three meters, that that spurt of water is not going to have the effect that it it needs to. That's have. right. You know, whereas a jetpack, it's like you keep you keep Dude, going up until you run out of fuel. Like he's just he's flying. Yes. He's literally just flying, and that's that is amazing. I mean, you compare that to say a rocket. You know, rockets that we send out into space, and uh-huh. they might have a satellite, and the satellite might be the size of a loaf of bread. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you because know, a lot of satellites, you know, they don't need to be big. Mm. But you look at the size of that rocket, and all it has to do is to break out of the Earth's atmosphere, mm. and it's all fuel. Yeah, massive amounts of fuel just to get a satellite the size of the loaf of bread out into space. Mm. And you're going to create a jetpack that you can actually fly around in that's not going to destroy the person that is flying it because there's a lot of heat comes out of the bottom of a rocket. That's right. 
So this is in pretty impressive stuff. I'd be love to know how much fuel it is using because, you know, if you could create a practical one, then there are so many uses that you could put that thing to. So that's right, Faith FM Jetpack. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're doing our quiz a little bit differently this morning. We are giving away the biggest prize we've ever given away. This is a one hundred dollar Bible. Mm-hmm. It's like how does this how does this even happen that we have a prize that big? Man, you make us sound poor, bro. Like like you. A hundred dollar Bible is a significant <laughs> a significant giveaway. I'd be putting my name in this. 25 times over if I could. (laughs) All right. Well, hey, we have our second clue for the quiz here, which, again, is a clue. It's a question regarding a different answer, which you have the the ability to answer and get your name um, in the draw again. Make sure, so, you know, we have a bunch of people who participate in the quiz um, for bragging rights, a bunch of people who are interested in the prize. Uh, you don't need to say may I because we have left the month of May. But just make sure, like, if you are keen. So do you know? Maybe potentially not June. I that's that's kind of lame. But just give some indication when you answer. Say, hey, I would like to enter the draw, and we will put you in. But the second question is: Was that comment in June? Uh, (laughs) 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 Did you say June or two June? Jejune. Jejune. J e j u n e. It means um, pointless. I thought you... I Boring thought, and pointless. I thought you said, like, too June, like, too soon, but, like, June. No. I don't know. Whatever. It was lame. Um, this next question is... June I, basically means lame. Yes. Okay. Fantastic. For educated people. <laughs> Lyle, thank you. I would like to, would like to read the, the quiz question now. I am the bronze serpent raised by Moses in the desert. What's my name? Uh, and I have a, you know, bonus, a bonus little insight here. Uh, for those not weekly church attenders, you can find the story in First Kings chapter 18. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Again, our prize this week is the Andrews Study Bible, uh, the bonded leather version that is worth $100. And that will be drawn at the end of this week. But again, this question is, I am the bronze serpent raised by Moses in the desert. What's my name? For those not weekly church attenders, you can find the story in First Kings 18. Get another, get another, yeah, you got another chance. Get your name in the quiz. Okay, so somebody texting through right here. Um, I pray that's not a true leather Bible made from animal vegan Lawson Walters. It is. It is. It is. Yeah, I the animal okay. myself. No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I, I am, I, okay, this could sound, I don't want to made myself sound terrible by saying something like I don't care about animals, but that's almost how I feel. I I don't I you know how little I care about animals. I don't eat them. That's 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 kind of my my stance on things. So yeah. Anyways, well, uh, well. Okay, so I'm just reading another text here. It <laughs> says uh, earlier Lawson said text your answer in correctly. Yeah. So text it in. Correctly well, you or can incorrectly? Text it to some random. <laughs> you can text it. You could text it in. I, I'm telling you to text it in correctly, so you could send it to a different <laughs> number. You could send us so the if wrong I, if answer. I, if they text in the, the, the do neither of those things. If so, they text, if they text in incorrectly, they still go in the prize. Then if they text in incorrectly, no, of, of course not. Of course not. Like what? What kind of implication we'll comes text, from that text to, message? They have to text it in incorrectly. No. 
That's not. I didn't say in incorrectly. I said incorrectly. Text it incorrectly. Ah, oh, dear. We should have some more serious news right now. I think before please. we get too sidetracked. Love, this please. Was just like I'm, epic. I love, please. I'm hanging out for this serious news that you're going to share with us. Okay, the International uh, Religious Freedom Report was uh, published last week. Mm-hmm. It uh, has been compiled since uh, 2021. And a number of countries have been responding to it. Mm. And there's an old saying that goes, you know, you throw a you throw a stone amongst a pack of dogs. The one that gets hit is the one that the one that yelps is the one that gets hit. And there've been three com- countries that have yelped so far, so they've obviously been hit by the stone mm. that has been uh, tossed out there. And that's India, China, and Hong Kong mm. are all up in arms about it. Mm. I mean, there's a bunch of other countries out there that were named like Pakistan, Eritrea, and Burma. And they haven't said anything because they kind of don't care. Yeah. They're like, that's uh, our right to persecute Christians. Whatever it might be. But anyway, Hong <laughs> Kong uh, has faced church closures and the fle- fleeing of religious leaders over the implementation of a new national security law, mm. which is highlighted in the document. And so, you know, Hong Kong is screaming about it, like, oh, we're not doing that. Well, if you're not doing that, why are all of your churches being closed and why are all of the pastors fleeing the country? Mm. There's you know, obviously a reason behind that. The Indian government says the report was unfortunate. Mm. And yet since 2014, India has just been soaked in blood mm. of religious persecution against Christians and Muslims. Mm. You know, there's like 2 million Muslims that have suddenly become stateless in India. Wow. You know, you look at what is uh, taking place there and it's like, how is how do you then turn around and say that the report was unfortunate? Mm. So this is uh, rising violence against religious minorities. Been led by the Prime Minister Narendra Modi's uh, is is Hindu right wing Bharatiya Janata Party, mm-hmm. and they've said no, we're a naturally naturally pluralistic society. That India values religious freedom and human rights, and then pointed the finger at America and said, "You're way worse because you have you know 150 days of racial riots last year. We don't have that. You have hate crimes and you have gun violence. We don't have that." Mm. I, I would just put the challenge out there to uh, the Prime Minister of India and say, talk to anyone and ask them, if you had the choice, would you rather live here in India or the United States? <laughs> anyone in your country, and then you will have the answer. Mm. Anyway, uh, it, continuing on there, between 13,000 and 19,000 Nigerians have been killed in the last 10 years because of their faith. That's yeah, a lot. That is. In fact, this is a, this is one of those stories where I could cover a persecution, a religious persecution story on Nigeria every single day. Mm. There is not a day that goes by where there is not a story of religious persecution in Nigeria that comes across my desk. And the reason that I don't report on it every single day is because if I reported on it every single day, then you wouldn't actually, you would become hardened to it and you wouldn't take any notice of what I had to say because it would just be like, oh, yeah, just another one. And it's interesting how, you know, we they, they say that one death is a tragedy, but a million deaths is a statistic. Mm. And it's so true. You know, you think, oh, yeah, 13 to 19,000 Nigerians that have died. You know, but then you've got a situation where a youth pastor in Uganda this week was killed with an axe. A bunch For of, what? Well, because he had been distributing Bibles in the local community and there was a Muslim mob that got together, Muslim extremists, mm-hmm. you know, not your average uh, 
kind of Muslim, but these are Muslim extremists, and they got together and they attacked the church building and they smashed it down, took it down, raised it to ground level, and then burned it, burned everything that was left there, burned the, you know, the chairs, the Bibles, the equipment, all mm. that kind of stuff. And then they heard some screaming out the back. They went out the back and they found this guy that had been attacked by an axe, had a massive axe wound on his head and mm. on his leg. Uh, he made it for another week before he passed away. They had his funeral. He was able to identify his attackers. They had his funeral. On the way back from the funeral, the bishop was going across a bridge where he was ambushed and he was attacked by men with iron bars and sticks. And somebody turned up, you know, a carload of people turned up at that particular time, drove those guys off. Interestingly, one of them jumped into the river to escape mm-hmm. and died. The only only wow. person in that attack that died was one of the attackers. You know, and so you start to read stories like this and it's and it's like, okay, you know, how would we how would we do? How would you fare if you were in that kind of a situation? That is how would you no, respond if somebody's like, You're a Christian and I'm going to kill you now with an axe or with an iron bar because you're a Christian. Mm. You know, do we have that kind of faith? Mm. These are people who are living in a country, you know, and, and even in Uganda, you know, the, 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 the Islamic population of Uganda is only like, like 10 or 13%. They yeah. are a minority. And I know Ugandans, and like the majority of Ugandans I know are Christian. Yes. Uh, but some areas of Uganda are predominantly Muslim, and this is a predominantly Muslim area. And so, you know, you get this kind of thing that is taking place. Mm. And what's interesting is that, you know, you've got this growing intolerance of Christianity around the world. Mm. It's not just in these developing countries in Africa or India or China, although China is a very developed country, but it is growing around the world, even here in Australia. And the question is, do we face this in our future? And when and if this time comes, let me say when this time comes, because I've read Revelation 13, how are we actually going to fare in those kind of situations? Mm. You know, you get insecurity, you get food shortages, and people start looking for scapegoats. This has always been the way historically. Mm. Whenever you have natural disasters, People look for scapegoats. Mm. And the Bible says that's what's going to take place. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. And joining us in the studio this morning is Bolomar. She is from Mongolia. Bolomar, it's not often that we meet people from Mongolia in Australia. Australia is full of Asian people, but not so many... Uh, Mongolians, how did you end up in Australia? Oh, good morning to everybody. Yeah, and I met the Australian, I married an Australian guy. Okay, That's so you married an Australian guy. That's kind of uh, how producer Shell ended up here in Australia as well because uh, she married an Australian guy. She's from the United States. So you guys have probably got some things in common and some things that would be uh, quite different from each other. But we were chatting a little bit earlier about a project that you've got going with children's books for people in okay. Mongolia. Yeah, that's correct. And this is not the only project that we're going to be talking about today, but I just wanted to ask, okay, what are these children's books about and why did you decide to do children's books for children in Mongolia? Okay, uh, 2016, and my uh, church, local church pastor, Pastor Radim Vuto, uh, my, my church is an Advent... Avondale Memorial Church. Okay. So, uh, 2016, he was asking my husband to go to Mongolia for a mission trip. 
And instead, he, my husband said, instead of him, better to me as a Mongolian, my wife better to go. And he said to opposite he said, uh, so that's why I went to Mongolia back. Yes. To my country. And then re- realized, uh, we, I went there for a mission trip. We opened, started a new church up in east, the east side of Mongolia. And, and then I w- want to bring a couple Mongolian children's Adventist Christian books. Well, I want to bring it back to my kids, but I, I, I couldn't find much books there. There was only like three Christian books, children's books, Bible books. That you could actually buy that were in the Mongolian language. Yeah, in Mongolian language. Only three for whole country. So I thought they need, their children need a Bible story book. The Mongolian yes. children need. Yes. So when I back to home, back to Australia, and I was talking to my husband, and then I was talking to the, yeah, and then, I talked to many people, but the people said it's not easy to make a book, children's book up, which is true. Uh-huh. So I believe God opens the door for us, and God wants to us to make a children's book up. So, uh, yeah, 2017, uh, I, my husband and we asked our friends uh, who can illustrate the children's book up. And then, yeah, that's the way that we started. When my husband's cousin, Greta Cherry, first uh, Illustrated our first uh, children's book, a Mongolian children's Bible story book up for us. That's absolutely amazing. So you're really getting in, in some ways, at the ground level right here in in Bible-based children's books for Mongolia because it seems like there is just not a whole lot of that available right now. And so important for children to be able to access, you know, the Bible story and the Word of God. That's um a really exciting project to have taking place. Now, when we talk about Mongolia, tell me a little bit about Mongolia because, you know, when we think of Mongolia, obviously, you know, there was once a time when Mongolia, you know, ruled the largest empire our world has ever seen. Um, and, you know, it has a history of Christianity in the past. There has been Christianity there in the past. But then you had many long years of communist rule. What happened to Christianity and you know, faith and religion during that time period. Is Christianity still strong in Mongolia? Uh, not really. Uh, it's uh, basically new. Like uh, this year is a Mongolian Adventist church's 30th year anniversary. In 1992, there are a couple like husband and wife missionaries came to Mongolia and started an Adventist church up there. And around that time, also the other Sunday church people come to Mongolia as well. That's the way it started, or the Christian belief. Before that? Before that, no, it's abandoned, abandoned, yeah. Yeah. Because Mongolia was a communist country. 1921, before the 1921, Mongolia was under the Chinese control, like China was controlling, and Mongolia wants to be independent. So they helped from Russia, and Russia came to Mongolia and helped them to become independent. No, before there was depend on China. China's ruling. Sure. So Mongolia wants to be independent. So and Russia, Russia provides helped. that. Yeah. Yep. And then also Russia bring the communists. Yes. Communism to Mongolia as well. So and then. And along with that, atheism, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. They're not allowed to. There wasn't any religious activities there. They stopped all Buddhisms or Christianity or or whatever the religious. What was the dominant religion in Mongolia before communism? Uh, Buddhism. Buddhism. So Buddhism was the dominant religion. Obviously, there was some Christianity there 
in the past. During the communist era, did Christianity, did Buddhism, did any of these religions continue or was it just completely gone? Completely gone. Completely gone. The, like around 1945-ish time, even the uh, communism, the peop- the, all the leaders killed all the Buddhist lamas, like thousands of thousands of whoever say, calls them the religious, then just destroyed them. So when Christianity arrives again in 1992 and people start you know, presenting the concept of faith in God, how open are Mongolian people to this? I mean, is this something that they were were very sort of wary of or were they excited to actually be able to explore spirituality? Um, 1992, there was a, the Democrat Party's rise and then Mongolia turned into a democratic country and the communism fell down. So that's the way the religious is open to Mongolia. So it was new. I was a little, so I don't remember the, all, all the details, but it was a very new thing, and the people were very curious, and also they were uh, like closed as well because most of the population are atheist, and then also they prepared to believe in Buddhism because they. That's Mongolians, what the majority of the history yeah, is. Yes. Yeah. Now they still same, but things improved a lot. So yeah. That's amazing. How did you come to, how did you come to faith? How did you come to know Jesus? Oh, it's a very long story. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and basically, my mom becoming a Christian first in the Sunday church, and I just tried to shorten up. But when I was my mom was in the Sunday church, the church pastor was a Russian man, and he told my mom to go to capital city to. There is a place named is Adra. There's some sort of organization, and then the pastors told my mom go to the Adra and ask them to give us to our church three sack of potatoes, so we can plant it in the, the town where we live. The church wanna plant it that potatoes. Yes. And so yeah, and then the pastor said back then my family was very poor. So the pastor gave mom one-way ticket to catch a train to get that town. We my my home was like six hundred kilometers away from the capital city, where that Adra located. Adra. That's a long way to go for three bags of potatoes. Yes, <laughs> and mom catch a train, but only one-way ticket. She, she got it from the the our pastor, Russian yes. pastor. So so we, she went there and she find that place, the Adra organization, and she met the first name is Juby. He was the Adra's director back then. Sure. So and then before my mom leave from the church, the, our church pastor said, the Russian pastor said, you need to very determined to the guy, the, the tell him this is that the place you need to go in. If they said they don't have any potato, you just even angry at them. We are hungry. You need to help us and pick up the phone from uh, the t- desk and throw it to the floor. Like something like that, the crazy. And anyway, when mom went to, to meet Juby, Juby was a very friendly man. Mom was surprised. Before the mom was stressed out, the mom was thinking she's going to deal with some serious person. But yeah. mom was also surprised why the person needs to give the our church free potatoes, you know? Sure. <laughs> but anyway, and mom met the Juby, and Juby gave mom the potatoes, three sack of bag of potatoes, and gave mom the 
ticket money, the return ticket. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's the way we first heard about ADRA. Yes, which is the Adventist Disaster Relief Agency. Exactly, yes. and yep. then then we see how kind of he was, the Duby, you know, how Duby was kind. Anyway, back to the story. And mom, bring back the potatoes, and our pastor, we planted the potatoes on uh, somewhere there in the land in, Mon- in a town, but there wasn't any fence. So we just uh, dig in the ground and bu- bury the potatoes. And then when the harvest time, my mom's telling the pastor, you need to go and c- harvest the potatoes, otherwise someone will come and st- steal the potatoes. Now is the, uh, the potato time to harvest. But the pastor didn't hear my mom, didn't listen. R- ignored my mom. But sadly, when they decided to go to the place and harvest the potatoes, someone already stole the potatoes. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. And then the pastor was very upset with my mom. With your mom? Yeah. And then said, you call him devil. You, you are the one talking about like these things, the bad things will happen, happen, happen. So you are the devil. You call the devil. So, and then, and then said to my mom, go away. Don't come back to my church. And so mom was got shocked because that's, that church, first time my mom was uh, heard about Jesus, yeah, you know, salvation yeah. on the Sunday church. Yeah, Before then there that's... was no such a church things. Uh-huh. But anyway, and mom was very sad. And then she was crying. She was left from a church and walking on the street. And she said, God, if you're real, and then you said your son Jesus died for my sin and you want to save me, but why the, your church? Like, yeah. Acting like that. It wasn't mom's fault. How old were you when this was happening? I was like 19 years old. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And then, and then mom was, and mom said, praying, crying and praying. And then she said, but God, if you're real, show me, show me the, your sight, show me something. And then she was walking on the street and she saw the sign on the street, big sign, banner. And then another banner says, there was the Adventist Church uh, evangelistic program was happening. Oh, at yes, time. yes. So and then she saw the banner and says that they said we will share with you the Daniel to like that that all the advertisement there. Uh-huh. So Mama feel like she want to walk in, give her one more chance to what the Christianity uh, looks like. Yes. And so she walked into that program and attended. So that's the way we become, we become an Adventist. Oh, wow. Well, praise the Lord. What an amazing story. Let me come back to the books that you've got prepared yeah. because when I, when I was looking at them, uh, and they look really sensational, they're fantastic books that you've got uh, for Mongolian children, uh, and they are written in English, and traditional Mongolian, yeah. and also standard Mongolian. So you've kind of got three different, three different languages in one book. Yes. Do Mongolian children learn three different languages at once? Yeah, nowadays they start learning. That's amazing. Here in Australia, we are so lame because all we ever do is we just learn English and we don't learn anything else pretty much when we're in school. <laughs> so these are trilingual books. Is that how you would describe it? Probably. <laughs> now, you were telling me why, why it is that the, you've got your traditional Mongolian, which is very different from the standard Mongolian. What's the difference between the two and how did those two different languages or, or, or scripts, I should say, come about? Uh, we like to support the kids with the, the uh, our the book. Uh, we would like to be like educational as well, We're not yes. just uh, like help them to learn Mongolian. All the, 
So the languages, the right, the traditional, the traditional language. Yeah, as well. So, so during the communist era, I understand that the traditional language wasn't really remembered or banned, supported. Oh, it was banned. Yeah, in Russia, when Russia brings to communism to Mongolia, they banned Mongolian cult, most of the culture, and also tradition, traditional script as well. And then we adopted Russian um, Cyrillic. Cyrillic, yeah, yes. yeah. So that's. So you so so the you you write uh, Mongolian words with Cyrillic yes, script more that's or less. Correct. Okay, so in the books you've got um, you've got Cyrillic script. You've also got Mongolian, Mongol traditional Mongolian. So we're bringing back the traditional. That's that's just yeah. amazing. And the Mongolian traditional one also got different dialogue as well, like accent. It's not exactly the same. If right. it's a book in ah. Mongolian, little like for example, that father in Mongolian word ah. Um, but right. if it's a traditional way when we write it, apo. Like, oh, so I see. So yeah. the, 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 the standard is different from the traditional and this is a way of preserving your culture mm-hmm. um, as, well as, preserving, as, as well as presenting the Word of God. Yeah, and also our book is like more, we try to bring it out, Christianity is not a foreign, foreigner thing because uh, in Mongolia, to be honest, the people think, the church, Christian church, is is some foreign thing, and and then also on top the the whoever whoever going to the church, uh, grandparents, most the grandmother goes to the church, if it's a Christian church, they think, sure. and children, teenager, or drunk people. Okay. They, in, in that's the generally in Mongolian's mind. That's the. They think if they think of Christian Christianity, mm. so we try to break that the stereotype. Mind. Yeah, we try to bring it out, uh, but in the reality, no. There are lots of like lawyers and doctors and uh, the teachers goes to church, but in generally, the people think in the Christianity as the, I'm, I'm not. The, I'm too worthy. Uh, I'm like if if I'm a teacher and think, oh, I, I, the Christianity is not good place to go. I'm yes, it's elite. A- like compare with them, that they think that's the way. But we try to teach people in different manner. Like, hey, I'm a, I'm a health worker, so I'm Christian too. Yes. So do you understand? Uh-huh. My husband is a teacher. He's a Christian. Yes. So that's the way that we try to reach. I understand that uh, it probably would have been very difficult to travel to Mongolia for the last couple of years because of COVID and whatnot. You've got some plans to travel to Mongolia soon? Oh, we're moving back. You're to moving Mongolia. to Mongolia? Yeah. Okay. Oh, that'll be nice for you. You'll be back in your home country. You yes. must be looking forward to that. Yes. <laughs> and what part of Mongolia? Uh, it's like the center, basically, center of Mongolia. It's um, uh, the place we're going to move is. Uh, Erdenet in a small town, mm-hmm. mining town. Yes. Yeah. And is there already a a, a Christian work taking place there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you'll be supporting the Christian work there. How many books have you put out for Mongolian children so far? At the moment, we printed out two books, and I already translated my Bible friend's five set. Oh, really? Yeah. And then we also like to print it out that book up, and then also Pastor Pastor Paul. I forgot his name. Sorry, but there is one of the pastor wrote a book, um, no, 
basic Bible study, Bible marking, if you know. Okay. Oh, yes, Bible, Bible marking, yes. Yeah. I translated that book into Mongolian language. So at the, and then we put that as a file. So the Mongolian pastors, local pastors and people using yes. as well that, that we open up the resource for them. Yes. Yeah. So Bible marking, Bible studies, where you basically you work from one verse to the next to the next. And it's got your whole yeah, Bible study right there. It's a good one. Very yeah. good. 33 lessons. Oh, fantastic. The whole Mongolian Adventist church pastors using as a resource. Uh, one of the resources. And I understand that you've got uh, a YouTube channel. You've got up to 20,000 people watching your YouTube channel. What kind of things are you presenting on the YouTube channel? Oh, lots of different things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a very funny how the YouTube channel started. After 2016, when I back from, from uh, Mongolia, my husband and we were planning, talking to our church, and we were planning to go back to Mongolia again, 2017, for a mission trip. It was like Russian and Mongolian border town, the small town, mm-hmm. and they were opening, starting a new church up, so we went there for a mission trip. And then when we went there, before we went there, we had a plan what we're going to do. And so one of our friends from Australia was going to Liz and Leah, Leah Hodgin, Liz. There was, they were a mother and daughter. They were going to run some health program, some cooking demonstration. They were supposed to be showed that demonstration, present that demonstration in evening at the program. But the local pastor and pastor's wife, somehow they changed the plan without telling us. So they, they put, add the extra. They said they're going, these two people will present cooking demonstration during daytime. And even the cook show, they have to cook. So when we arrived at the town Zamingwood, that little uh, border town, then we find out they, these ladies has to do extra job. So they will run around and find uh, some local ingredients and then cook and present, show the ingredients, cook the food. And my husband recorded and he shared on the YouTube. Yes. And that's the way it is started. That's and how it started like, and it's just gone from there. Yes, yeah, like 10,000 people watched. It was just uh, like put soup, vegetable soup and like tofu. Crumbled tofu and things like that. Couple cooking demonstration, but the people watched a lot of like thousands of people watched. So we thought, okay. So that's another easy way to reach people. Yes. So yeah, that's the way we started. And so we record a lot of different videos with the memorial church, uh, mission programs, and also, yeah. That's amazing. And lots so you, you. Songs. Do you do so when when you do uh, say for instance a mission program or something like that? Um, do you do the translation work to yeah. translate it across? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's incredible. It's in English and also Mongolian as well. If you go to the, our channel YouTube channel Cherry Book, Cherry Book, Cherry, cherry book. book. So and cherry as in the cherry of the fruit, the fruit. Yes, you get and from then the tree. connect yes. the book, book, and then the logo will be like you can see the red cherry and then the black little book underneath the cherry. Yes. That's the logo. Cherry there book. were a lot of different um, program information there. Fantastic. In English and Mongolia as well. Uh, Bolomar, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this thank morning. We have enjoyed hearing your story. It's just, uh, you know, there are so many interesting places in the world that I haven't been yet. I'm going to have to come to Mongolia one day. Yes, welcome. <laughs> Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM. Thank you.